realize what want is. You know, we have Operation Christmas Child. And I, don't we love to see those videos? And we see those little children who have absolutely nothing. And they get excited about a box of crayons. You know, something that we go down to Walmart for and buy for, what, 50 cents or a buck? And to them, it's like, wow! God provided for them. And I, I love this little church and the way that they do that ministry. And think about, what was it, 600 and some boxes last year? 600 children's faces that were smiling because we cared enough to share with what the Lord has provided for us. Remember Operation Christmas Child. Pray for that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God provides. He always will. I think uh, I have a ministry with old people in a nursing home. And they're getting up in age now. Uh, I'm 70. I was lucky. I was born in 47. But some of you are in your 80s, maybe near 90. That generation is fast passing away. But they remember what we call the Great Depression. And uh, my brother's here today, and he can testify that uh, sometimes they didn't have a whole lot to eat. And my mom would tell me that they would make large sandwiches and call it supper. And what is that? She goes, well, she'd make bread and put lard on it and sugar. And that's what you had. That's all they had. So you might remember hard times like that. When you were a child, be it God provided, you survived. He makes me to lie down on green pastures. I like that. Rest. You know, one of the greatest inventions, I think, was made in Monroe, Michigan. It's called the Lazy Boy Chair Company. We all got one in our house or something similar to it, don't we? You know, you can sit back in that thing and just give her a little crank and that remote control sister hand so sweet. And you can just, oh, I fall asleep every time. Matter of fact, I think I sleep better in my lazy boy than I do my bed. But he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Think about that. We were at the pastor's house last night. If you weren't there, shame on you. You missed out on a fine meal. But he's got these two horses, and he's got this big pasture. And it was just green and lush. Now, that big horse, I think they call it a pinto. Is it a pinto or whatever? Yeah. It's out there just mowing along, doing a fine job. I thought to myself, you know, Bill never has to cut that one mower. He's got these two horses out there, and they're always mowing on it. And it's nice and lush and green, and those horses are fat and sassy. And that's a picture of how God blesses you. You rest. Why? Why can you rest when it comes to your salvation? Because he did it all. When he went to the cross and hung there, between heaven and earth, he paid the debt which you could not pay. And he paid it in full. All the work that was necessary for you to be with him for eternity in heaven was paid for on that cross. Did we deserve it? No. 
if we got what we deserved, we would split hell wide open. But he loved us so much. And he provided the necessary sacrifice for sins. The book of Hebrews tells us he died once for all time. Once. That was it. The sacrifice is paid for. We can now lie down in green pastures, abundant pastures, and receive the blessings from heaven above. He leadeth me beside still waters. And these two words in here, still waters, I have a little story I'd like to share with you. Uh, 1989, uh, I took my first vacation in 11 years from General Motors. The kids were grown. I bought a brand new Ford pickup truck, and it was the first vehicle I ever owned with air conditioning. And I tell you, that 460 air gets kind of old after a while, don't it? Well, anyway, we, we took a vacation, and my wife and I, uh, she was kind of an adventurous soul, and she saw this sign up there. If you go in Pennsylvania, you see road signs all over, and, and uh, it said, Whitewater River Rafting. Uh, Bob can't swim. When it comes to swimming, my name is Rocky. Yeah, right down to the bottom. Uh, She says, let's try that. And it was Ron's River Rafting. And I thought, uh, well, okay, it is a vacation. So uh, we we pull in there and we, we pay our money and she says, I want the good one. So uh, I didn't know that on the Yakahini River they had uh, class four and five rapids. Now, that's, that's about as bad as it gets. And uh, I said, is this safe? Oh, very safe. You, you'll enjoy it, you know. There was a little old lady behind the counter. I think all she was really enjoying was put my money in her cash register. But anyway, we get on a bus and we go down to the river, and there's a bunch of people and we were introduced to our guide. Now, our guide was a little Oriental fellow. His name was Joe. He looked like a little sumo wrestler. And uh, so they pull up these rafts, and we're getting into rafts. And our raft comes up, and uh, there's three couples, my wife and I and two other couples. And uh, Joe says, uh, this is our raft. Well, I'm looking at it, you know, and somebody took black paint and a brush and wrote on the side about over Ron's River rafting, Titanic. Now that should have told me something. I get in the boat. You sit in the middle. I don't know why, but okay, I'll sit in the middle. I'm not going to argue with this guy. He's, you know, he had muscle. My muscles all retired. So I sat in the middle. My wife, well, she big girl. She sat you know, across from me, and uh, the two skinny couples are on each side, and. Joe gets in the back, and we, we take off. Well, this is pretty nice. It's You know, the birds are singing, and we're just floating down the river, and all of a sudden, I start hearing something like Niagara Falls. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what is this? What did I get myself into? And all of a sudden, the floor drops out from underneath me, and there's this water everywhere. And we get sucked in behind this rock, and, you know, they give you these, they give you an orange crash helmet. We look like little beetles going down a river. And they give you a, a, a life vest. Now, I, I'm looking, I think my life vest should be like that one you see in World War II movies where they look like big tubes, you know. No, they give me this little skinny thing that looks like a styrofoam. 
You know, is this going to hold me up? And, and this water starts pouring in the, in the uh, uh, raft. And I'm getting scared because, remember, my name is Rocky. And I'm, I, I got this little paddle, and I'm you know, going like this and everything. And I'm starting to scream and everything. And Joe says, just hold on. Be calm. Calm water coming. Still water. Just, just hang on. You know, and he's doing all this work, and these other people, and I'm just screaming because my wife's laughing herself silly. And uh, so we, we get out from underneath that rock, and we're boom, bouncing down the water. You know, and all of a sudden we get calm water. <sighs> Bam, here it comes again. So, you know, I don't want to get behind a rock this time. Now, now the waves are coming over, and this thing is filling up, and it's starting to sink lower in the water, and I'm thinking, my gosh, we're going to sink. This is the Titanic. No, no. One more time, three rapids. So finally we get down to the last one. And he says, now we in still water ride all over now. And so we, we paddle over to the shore, you know, and the bus is there to pick us up and take us back up to our our uh where we paid the money, and uh, we get in the car and everything. But I, I never forgot that because, oh, I was looking so forward to still water. Still water. But think about your life. It has rough edges to it, doesn't it? I don't care if you're a teenager in school. It can be tough, can it? And when you get old, it can be tough, can it? I know, i got problems with my legs. They're giving me a lot of trouble lately. You know, and some people got heart problems and everything else. Maybe your job's not that good. I mean, the job market today is a lot better than it was. But, you know, we're always only a paycheck away from, you know, the, the place closing up. You don't know. But we can have still water if we know Jesus. He can calm the storms of life. You got problems today? Turn them over to Jesus. He can take you down to that still water where you don't have that trouble and trial. He restores my soul. Again, who's doing the work of your salvation? The Bible says here that he's doing the restoring. It's all God-sided. We're just, you know, we're in the, the raft going along for the ride. He's done all the work. Old Joe back there, I, I see why they had Joe there. I mean, he's a, like a little sumo wrestler. He was just pedaling away. He was like a little motor back there. You know, and we got out of trouble. That's a picture of God. When you're in trouble... He's that little motor back there that gets you out of it. He restores your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hmm. So who does the leading in your walk with Christ? You or him? You know, we get in trouble when we take the lead, don't we? You know, we all want to drive the bus. Well, you know what? I'm not a very good bus driver. Uh, my wife sometimes gets frightened of my driving in a car. 
But when it comes to uh, life, I let the Lord lead. Let him do the driving. You know, you got a big decision to make. Do you stop and pray and ask for the Lord's guidance and direction? Remember, we have the road map. Or do we say, well, I can do it myself. And how many times have you done that and it messed up? And you say, oh, I should have listened. I should have prayed more. And notice it's, it's down the paths of life. You know, Jesus says, broad is the highway that leads to destruction. And many be thereupon. But straight and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. You have to be seeking the Lord. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. If you seek me, you shall find me. If you search for me with all your heart. Now, I was 27 years old when I met the Lord Jesus Christ. I was into drugs and alcohol. My marriage was on the rocks. I was invited to a little old-fashioned church just like this. And it was a watch night service on New Year's Eve. And all these people were giving their testimonies of what God had done for them throughout that year. And I didn't know a God like that. I didn't know him as my personal Savior. Uh, My idea of God was he's up there and I'm here. And, you know, I'm going to bug him if he don't bug me. But these people had an intimate relationship with him, a daily walk. And they seemed happy. And then on top of that, they invited me over to their house after that church service at 1 o'clock in the morning for a song fest and a breakfast. And I didn't even know these people. But they were concerned about me, and they showed me love, and Man, I wanted something like that in my life. So I kept going back to that church. Next three weeks. Then on January 19th, 1975, the pastor, 8.20 in the evening, I mean, I knew everything about this, and I never forgot it. He gave the invitation. His message was, do you have the eternal fire insurance policy? Now, insurance costs money. I know that. But this policy was free, and it was paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he gave the invitation, I came up to a altar just like this, and I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. My life has radically changed, radically. And I would never go back to the person I was. Alcohol, drugs, pew, out the door. Didn't need that anymore. My marriage, which was on the rocks, the Lord healed that. And I said, I've got to tell everybody about this. I'd only been saved three weeks, and it's funny how the Lord arranges things. We had a, we, we, uh, our church up there had a, uh, a mission which we supported down on, by Tiger Stadium called New Life Rescue Mission. And it was a snowy night in February, and we were going down there, and the pastor says, I got laryngitis. You're going to have to preach tonight. And I goes, I don't know nothing. He says, do you know John 3.16? Yeah, I got that one down, Pat. Then he says to me, he says, well, tell them what the Lord did for you. 
And that was the first time I ever stood in the pulpit. And when I looked out there and I saw the faces of people that so desperately needed Jesus Christ, the Lord spoke to me in a mighty way and said, you've got to tell people. That's our job, to tell them, to invite them in, so that they can be led down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We do it for the Lord. We don't do it for our own glory. Pastor Bill, I admire him because for a long time he did this job for nothing. And, you know, that's sacrifice. And you know why he did it? Not for his own glory. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he loves you. He loves you as desperately as Jesus does. That's why. That's why everybody up here that you see every Sunday, they want to share the love which they have in their heart, which the Lord put in them with you, so that you can radiate that and spread it to the world. You know, Jesus said, let your light so shine among men that they may see your heavenly Father above. Let that light shine. This morning we heard about a death. The Wilson family, remember that in your prayers. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I walk through. Now, valleys, if you're in the military, you don't want to be in a valley. You want to be on the high ground. Because in that valley, the enemy is looking down on you, and he can rain his arrows or his artillery or whatever he has to kill you, to harm you. But notice this valley, it's different. Yea, though I walk through. You're not going to get stuck in the middle. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. For a believer, death is but a shadow. As is from the body, present with the Lord. We have no fear of death because we know where we're going. The brother here last night was telling me, you know, he's getting older. And he says, you know, the older I get, the more excited I get about heaven. And that's true. I'm 71. And every time I think about heaven, I, I, that's really my home. This place is temporary. Now, if you're, you know, 15, 18 years old, it seems like, oh, that's so far down the road. Uh, I'll worry about that later. You know what? The Lord could come back today. Do you want to be left behind? No, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and trumpet of God. The dead of Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive together with him shall be caught up in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I can't wait for that day. It could be today. Wouldn't that be exciting? You wouldn't have to watch the Indians lose to the Orioles again. Yeah, you'll walk through that valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. Actually, it's the evil one. We don't have to have to worry about the devil. Oh, he'll try and mess you up. But you know what the Bible tells me? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. And read the last chapter of the Bible. I wish the Browns would have this philosophy. Our team wins. For thou art with me. He is always with you. Even in times of trouble and trial, thou art with me. You go to the doctor, he says, it doesn't look good. You've got cancer. Thou art with me. He'll be with you. He'll be with you through the chemo. You go to the doctor and he says, your heart's not good. That's okay. The Lord will give you a new heart. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Now, the staff is a a long pole with a little hook on the end. And what the shepherd would do is, you know, the sheep would be walking along there. Now, some of the parts of the trail, they would go along the side of a cliff. And if a, and if a sheep got too close to the edge where he might fall, remember, we're stupid. He would go and take that staff and put it underneath his neck and give him a yank back. And then that rod, well, sometimes he'd have to give the sheep a whack. But really what the rod was for was if there's a wolf or some kind of wild animal that's going to attack and whack him. By the way, does the Lord ever have to whack us once in a while? Yeah, we get a good whack now and then. Lessons from the Lord are always hard. The Hebrews tells us, you know, whom the Lord loves, he chases as a father, chases a child. And it's it's not fun to go to the Lord's woodshed. But you learn a valuable lesson, don't you? Thy rod and thy staff, <clears throat> they comfort me. Uh, there's that word comfort. Uh, that That's like rest. I think again of my little lazy boy chair. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know what? You have nothing to fear in this life. Here's the enemies, and what's the Lord doing for you? He's preparing a feast for you. Thou anointest my head with oil. This was symbolic. The priest, before he would go into the temple, would anoint his, his head and body. And remember Jesus, and that night before he was crucified, when the woman came up and poured a spike nard of oil upon his head and anointed him? We're all priests and kings before God because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's preparing you for ultimate glory. My cup runneth over. Now, if you were going in Bible times and you went to the, to the uh, house as a guest, they would greet you at the door, and they would bring you a cup. Uh, put water, wine, or whatever they had in there. But they would overflow it. This was symbolic. It means that you were accepted, you were loved, and you were welcome. We were kind of joking in, in Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago. And, and uh, I had a full, uh, his name was Ananias Davis, and we worked together. And, and uh, he, he was kind of, he didn't like church people too much. And he thought that, you know, church people were kind of racist. Because he says, ain't no black people at your church, is there? I goes, no, no, really not. I says, uh, I wish there was. I says, but no. I says, you know, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock is the most segregated time in America. But I says, you know something, Ananias? I says, guess what? There's only going to be one color of people in heaven. And he said to me, what's that? Well done. 
Everyone is welcome into God's house. Your cup will run over if you know him as your Lord and Savior. The blessings will overflow. Have they not in your own life when you think about it? Surely, goodness and mercy. Oh, goodness from the God is really good. I call that vanilla ice cream with chocolate on top. That's a blessing which is good for the soul. Mercy. We all need that. And God has provided it through His Son. The forgiveness and mercy of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many days? All the days of my life. Every day, God is with you. God is forgiving you. God is loving you. God knows the number of hairs on your head. It gets a little easier for him every day with mine. But he knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you desperately. And finally, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever. Never get tossed out. You know, there's a mansion waiting for you there. In my father's house, there are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. The where I am there, you'll be also. Now, Jesus' job while he was on earth was what? He was a carpenter. Now, I had one brand new house in my life. And I tell you what, I won't buy a new house. It took us six months before we could finally get the doors to close and the windows to go up and down and everything else because it wasn't made right. But Jesus had 2,100 years now to build my mansion. And when I get there, them windows is going up and down like this. And I don't even know if I'll need a door because there ain't no robbers there. And I won't have to leave the house to go to the doctor because there's no sickness there. Never have to go to a funeral home. Ain't none there. Business will be out of business. And I'll be dwelling in this house forever. You know, six short, simple verses, but yet so profound. Oh, it's so glorious to dig into God's Word and just, I call it swimming in Scripture. Seeing how much you can get out of it. I hope this morning that you've gotten a lot out of it. And maybe your life is like that raft going down a river and the water's pouring in and you don't know which way to go. A few moments we're going to sing an invitation song. Maybe you're here. Pardon my voice. Maybe you're here and you're in that raft. You know, God wants to help you. He wants to get that water out of that raft. He wants to get you into that still water. Maybe here today you've never trusted the Lord. Now is your time and opportunity. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, now. There is no promise of tomorrow. But there is today, there is this moment. Won't you come?
won't you? I don't know what song are we singing. Just oh, yeah. <clears throat> We're gonna sing just as I am. Now you can't imagine what it was like. I was a counselor at the Billy Graham Crusade at the Pontiac Silverdome. Eighty-five thousand people all singing just as I am. It made the hair stand on your arms just at that, that moment. And maybe you've never trusted Him, or maybe you've got problems in your life. That. That raft is overflowing with water. Come on up. Come on up. As we sing this song. <laughs>